Hello, this is your host, Donna Barr, and welcome to A Bazillion Ghost Stories. Does anybody really know a bazillion ghost stories? But then again, aren't all stories set in the past ghost stories? These stories are just evolving in all my family's stories and stories of work, which are all kind of ghostly on their own. So I'm going to tell the story of my sister Debbie's Geese. Debbie raised Canada geese. Now, you're not allowed to do that unless you have official permission from Fish and Wildlife. So she was raising these geese not to be kept, but to be added back into the gene population. These were not clipped birds. They were not supposed to be tame. And she had one big gander that she would play with. She'd wave her hands at him and he'd come after her. And they'd get to wrestling around. She'd grab him by the head. And she was toughening him up for the wild. Because geese will do that to each other. But at one point, she was messing with him. And he whammed her in the leg with the elbow of his wing. Now, that is the same... Or not the elbow, but rather where the hand would have been originally of the dinosaurs. And it's like, uh, it's like a fist. And he whammed her and... Huge bruise, blood started to pile up under the skin. She had to go to the doctor. It was it was bad. She couldn't walk. And uh, the doctor took a look at this and said, what did this to you? And she said, oh, that's a goose. And he says, you're lucky. If that had been a Canada, it'd have broken your leg. And she said, it was a Canada. And he said, you're lucky. And I should recall a situation over on Green Lake in Seattle where parents were letting their little little bitty child who was very very much maybe a few inches taller than a Canada goose with its head up and they were letting that kid wander around in amongst those geese and I was like you know they can kill that kid without even thinking about it but I don't know about you, but I've seen an awful lot of parents that before they have babies, it's all, oh, I want a baby. I want a little doll baby. Oh, I gotta have a baby. Uh, and then afterwards, I swear to God, they're trying to thin the herd because they don't care about them so much. And definitely when the kid gets to be 12 or so, and then they give them lobotomies to quiet them down. Ah, I'm not going to go there. Anyway, yeah, I've been listening to the uh, obituary podcast <laughs> as usual. Well, what happened with this goose was Debbie and I had been running around over the little farm they had, and we had swapped jackets. I don't know why. Uh, hers was yellow, mine was red, but we swapped them. Or the other way around, I don't remember. But the goose, uh, this is, I guess, after she healed, he came at me with his head down because and waving his neck around. It was not an attack. He was going to play with me like he played with Debbie. And all I could do is do what she did, which was back, grab him by the head. And I was trying to get away from the goose. And he was like, ha, 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 I got you. And then all of a sudden, and I swear to God, I could see the expression come up in his eyes. This is not mommy. And so here's the two of us. And if you've ever been on the, the uh, 
tiger tail end of a frightened big Canada goose gander. <laughs> or if you haven't been, you don't know what's fun. So anyway, I managed to throw this bird away from me. And he he sat on the ground staring at me. And then Debbie showed up. And I said, I don't know what his problem was. He seemed to think I'm you. And then we swapped jackets. And if that bird's jaw could have dropped, he just said that we had skinned ourselves. We had exchanged our skins. Uh, mommy and this stranger did this. And for the rest of the evening, that bird was keeping a bit of a distance, but keeping us in sight and looking at us like, these are aliens. I think I just saw an alien autopsy done on themselves, but this was a very confused bird. Men hate what they traditionally have called gossip, although they don't seem to mind the Navy version, which is scuttlebutt. But I was just in a situation where I saw why men don't like gossip. A couple of guys had gotten themselves involved in a very bad situation that was going to lead to uh, medical pain, a lot of money being lost or given to the wrong people, and possible lawsuits. And I was part of this in only that I was arranging what was supposed to be done rather than these two screwing it up. And one of them tried to tell me what had actually happened. I think he was trying to preclude a lawsuit. I wasn't planning to sue anybody because he did seem to be trying to make good. And I told the other one, um, that's, that'd be person one, number one. But I told person number two what person number one had said. He said, no way did I do that. Uh, and that's why guys don't like gossip, because when the women finally start asking all the guys about it or pass the information on, they find out that the guys are lying, screwing up, and making things up. And I told these two, from now on, you go through me, because I'm the administrator in this. Thank you very much. And uh, if, if you don't like gossip, guys, it's because you're up to no good. Oh, and I should explain, before these two guys started that popping their stories back and forth at each other. A woman had already explained to me how basically an overloaded labor situation had caused just one little glitch to blow a whole situation apart. It really wasn't anybody's fault. It's just that somebody got sick and one end of the office wasn't able to talk to the other end of the office because women can be such complete controllers of their space without really bothering anybody with what they're doing they get the job done that if they fall out of the system even for a day the whole thing can screw up and close down i saw this happen once at a university where uh, one woman who had to leave uh because of a bad situation um she had everything in her head and the whole university closed down so again, this is a matter of guys desperately scrambling to make up stories that they think will satisfy the female administrator when the other female administrative person has already explained it to her and they're fine. It's just that they never asked the girls. Um. 
the Clallam Bay Library always puts out the best new books, and one of them is called Bad Gays, and it is written from the perspective that for too long, uh, the idea about what people are sexually has been put in little boxes, and it shows really how, starting with Henry VIII and moving forward, the way people who did not have normal breeder sex, and that's what it was about, was having as many kids as possible and being monitored for having kids. Uh, if you didn't do this, um, this was used, as, was used as an excuse going forward, being called sodomy and everything else, to seize property. Um, it started with Henry VIII with the sodomy laws and that they could then use that to claim that all the monks and all the nuns were all sodomites and they were all inverts and whatever names they came up with. So that allowed them to, to steal the property. This is one of the major arguments uh, about stealing property and colonization. You've got this insane accumulation culture. And so wherever you go to colonized areas, you will find they have uh, batshit crazy uh, laws that turn everybody strictly into breeders no matter what, um, whether you want to or not, and you're not allowed to do anything else. And one of the problems is you have, uh, you know, you're always hearing this line about, well, how can gay people be Republicans? Well, it's real easy when you're trying to be heteronormative so that you're not threatened. And there was, you know, people should have learned from, uh, World War II from Nazi Germany that if you try to be part of the mainstream um, and as they said it's okay to originally part of their argument was that you know you can have your sex in private just don't do it out in public and there were Jews who wanted to be Germans and I'm not going to get into the whole viewpoints and terminologies and everything else but it didn't save them just like the bunch today will not be saved. But I should say that as I'm reading this book, you got to get this book. It is really, really well done history and is important to the structure of how we're living today and even why we have weekends. Um, and I, of course, like a lot of people, enjoy um, Mel Brooks, uh, the producers, especially the second version. I do like the musical version a lot. And I get a kick out of their springtime for Hitler. It's even better than the first time. But there's a line in it that uh, seems like it's referring to something else. It seems to have the beat of something else that I should know. So I'm reading this book, and the Hirschfeld Institute was uh, originally about the study about, you know, what is a gay person? What is a homosexual? Um, what is, you know, trying to define who goes to bed with who? And again, boxing people in and, and trying to turn people into science like Margaret Mead did in the most embarrassing way. But in the cabarets of Weimar, um, there people people liked what was being done, well, to a point. But uh, there was a cabaret song that that started with Hirschfeld is coming, Hirschfeld is coming. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, in the producers, the revised version, Der Führer is coming, Der Führer is coming. And that's when you know just how clever Mel Brooks really is. Mm -hmm.
having a father who was a pilot can help explain certain movie scenes. A lot of people think that pilots want jets and they want biplanes, they want helicopters, but what a pilot really wants is just to be able to float off into the sky, jump off the ground, and go fly. My father, who was a biplane pilot, he had a 1928 American Eagle. At one point, when we were on the beach, he looked up at a seagull floating overhead and just sighed, don't wish you wish you could do that. They all wish they could do that. And in the movie Captain Marvel, which I like because it's really not that bombastic uh, when Captain Marvel wants to prove to the girl that she has the ability to project heat. All she does is go and heat up a water kettle. She doesn't get flashy about it. And it's pretty impressive because how many people put their hands on a water kettle and just heat it up within seconds and without destroying anything? Uh, that is not a cat. Um, I'll get back to that. Anyway, Captain Marvel, of course, uh, she's been a jet pilot, but she's falling to her death, and suddenly, just before she does, in a kind of uh, Megamind moment, her eyes pop open, and you can see what she realizes. I have a jet engine. I am the airplane. And so that's part of the reason she's having so much fun beating up the bad guys and going, woo, because she has her own airplane. And what I just said about the cat is, of course, the business with uh, the cat actually being the alien creature, which I can't remember the name of right now. And uh, the other aliens say, you know, that's not a cat. And the cat kind of brings to mind the uh, COVID Zoom meeting moment where a lawyer's secretary's daughter had set a cat filter on her on the uh, secretary's computer and uh, the lawyer was trying to explain to the judge during the zoom meeting in the form of a cat and uh desperately looking at the keyboard and finally says it's really me this is not a cat i am not a cat so i am not a cat uh, it's kind of like the um i wonder if the movie got it from that or the other way around Remember I was telling you about all the shoes floating around with feet in them up here? And I can't believe that doesn't happen in other communities where there are fishing, fishing vessels that go down and there's a seaside. People must be going missing and their feet rotting loose and floating off in their running shoes, which act like little floats. And um, it, it gets pretty macabre up here because... We get we got posters in the post office and around the place. Um, it's more often that people have got posters of missing humans than they have of missing animals. So they found another foot in the mouth of a river. I won't say which one. It's too specific. Uh, but we've had a few people go missing lately, and this might be that person, but we're going to have to wait a while on the DNA. And this one is probably a hiker or somebody who was up uh, along the rivers, um, so we'll have to see about that one, but that becomes a common thing up here about floating feet. And, you know, I'm going to have to look that up and find out if there's any place else where feet go floating. It's a thing that happens up here, you know, like hot dogs stands in New York. We have floating feet. Mm -hmm.
I'm going to talk about the Clallam County bus system. Uh, if you're going to come up here, especially for Scotch Con PA or anything else that's going on up in Port Angeles, um, don't forget that you can take the straight shot right up here, and it's $10 each way, uh, unless you're very young or very old, um, and then it's $5 each way, and it's about two hours when they drive uh, right from the Seattle, um, well, actually, they, they drive from the Bainbridge tour, um, terminal, so you're going to have to catch a bus from Seattle, but, uh, or ferry, rather, I'm getting my vehicles mixed up here, some have wheels and some don't, so you just do that from there, and uh, we also have such a good bus system that if we need to get to squim uh if we let, had to go for an exam or anything like that if you start at 9:10 up here in Clallam Bay you can actually catch several buses that will get you to an appointment on let's say 5th Street at noon so it's only three hours going one way and if anybody says oh my god that's an awfully long way to go look it takes two hours to drive to Squim from uh, Clallam Bay anyway. And that extra hour, you can have lunch um, in Port Angeles. You can do just about anything you like or just get up to Squim and have lunch because right next to the terminals, there's always nice little lunchy places. And you can also walk around town and kind of enjoy the town, which you don't get to do too often and you don't have to worry about where the hell to put your car. And uh, I mean, you can get parking in Port Angeles, you can get parking in Squim quite easily, but it's quite a long walk. Um, it's the more the distance, the cheaper it is. And if you don't want to do that, you want to pay attention to those buses. And they got some, a nice, some nice little places downtown. They took out the Dairy Queen, but they've got this little high class little burger and drink shop. And I do want to recommend the alcoholic smoothie smoothies because they're excellent. And we got another donut shop. Uh, we missed Cockadoodle Donuts because they uh, were in the buildings that were going to be used for the new convention center, which hopefully we'll have next year. And uh, for for SquatchCon, and I really should do a SquatchCon detail thing here. And really, to get that information, you go to SquatchConPA.com, and they'll tell you that you can get uh, rooms at the Red Lion Inn, and they do have a code. And that you can, um, you're going to be able to get actual tables in a locked area. You don't have to bring your own table in the community center up here. But go to SquatchConPA.com and find out all the details. It's the best way to do it rather than me just blathering away on it. So, uh, but do try our bus system. And the other thing about it is the entire bus system. And that goes all the way. These bus systems for these um, parts of the county, uh, the town bus systems, uh, all run for very, very little money, um, the Clallam County bus system, you can go all the way uh, from Port Angeles, or actually from Squim, all the way out to, I'm trying to remember how far, oh, okay, all the way to Forks, because then you can catch the Jefferson County buses, but it's all day on all the buses, as many times as you want to get on and off, for $3. And so they don't even have a senior pass during the day because $3 in the entire day is incredible. And if you live in Port Angeles without a car, which you can do, and there's a lot of medical access up here, especially for the elderly, um, then it's $3 all day. So one of the best rural bus systems, I think, in the whole country is the Clallam bus system, the Clallam County bus system. And the Jefferson bus system's pretty good, and that's a weird one because the bus system runs at the two ends of the Olympic Peninsula. In other words, if you want to use the, the um, Jefferson County bus, you can use it all over the uh, east side. But then in order to get to the west side of it, you have to catch 
the uh, Port Angeles bus, but that's good because the prices are good and it's, it's not that expensive. Uh, I have thought about, can you go around the whole Olympic Peninsula on one day on a bus? You can't really, it's, I don't know if you can still do that, but um, the buses go all the way around. They go through Olympia and everything else. So the bus system is really good. And let's face it, when you get old, not only is everything going to hurt, but you ain't going to be able to drive all your life. So you might as well prepare now to start supporting those bus and train services, um, not just Uber. You're going to need these things where you can get a pass and not, uh, not break the bank. Would you like to be part of this podcast? You can go to anchor.fm slash Donna-Bar and you can leave me a voice message with your story that can become part of this podcast. If you would rather have me read it, send a PDF or PDFA, double-spaced, larger type to Donna-Bar01 at gmail.com. You can also become a patron at patreon.com slash Donna Barr. And finally, if you would like to know anything about what I've done in my life that has to do with my work, conventions, etc., go to DonnaBar.com. Hope to see you there. I will also put all this information in the program notes. A spooky 